Welcome to Rise Above the Ashes podcast, where we break down the art of failure and learn why multiple failures equals true success if you just don't give up. In this podcast, we go deep with our guests to find out how they overcome some of the greatest obstacles in their lives and what makes them tick as a human being. Learn here how you can turn your failures into true success. All right, guys, in this episode, I am having in my personal home office studio, Mr. Justin Ship of Chaotic Realty. Justin is a good friend of mine. He sells me properties. He is one of the largest wholesalers in Atlanta. In the last three years, he has risen above the ashes in his own game, going from an auto detail mechanic, body shop repair guy, to full-time hustler in wholesaling and assignments. He has done over 200 transactions in the last three years, and this guy is only 31 years old. He went from $50,000 a year to over a quarter million dollars in three years, in a year. So let that sink in. He has really mastered his skill. He's an expert at being a purple cow and a marketing genius. So you don't want to miss this episode. How are you doing, Justin? What's going on, Brandon? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. All the way from Paulding County to Carroll County, Georgia, we are both living in suburbs of Atlanta. Just so the people, the listeners know. Um, anyways, beyond that, because <laughs> that's just a waste of everybody's time talking about where we live. Um, <laughs> we do live outside of Atlanta, but we're in one of the most growth or one of the best growth markets in the US right now. So Atlanta is not to be uh, uh, you know overlooked for sure. But anyways, I wanted to bring in Justin today because Justin is crushing it here in the Atlanta market. And we're going to talk about where he is now, where he's been in the past and where he's going in the future. So welcome, Justin. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? And uh, you know, we can, talk, we can talk about some logistics uh, towards the end. But uh, Tell everybody who you are and what you do. All right. Well, like uh, Brandon said, my name is Justin Ship. I'm the owner of Chaotic Realty. Um, we actually just went through a rebranding stage. We haven't quite released everything yet, but we're now going to be Chaotic Real Estate Solutions. So um, I just partnered with Jacques Pierre, uh, another local real estate over here in Alden County. So you got a Frenchman to partner with you? Yes. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's got a French name. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so far I've been in the real estate business for just over three years. Um, in that time period, just over 200 transactions have been done through our company. Nice. We really hit the ground running when I first started. Um, I had no prior background in real estate whatsoever. Um, in fact, I used to paint cars and do powder coating and kind of in the automotive field per se. Got fired from a job. Friend of mine's like, hey man, jump into real estate. I said, why not? So I jumped right on in. Took me about six months to get the get my uh, you know feet planted firmly. But uh, in the six months, I did about three, four deals, and uh, then just hit the ground running. Started doing one, two deals a month. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know if you've been in this for three years and you come from an automatic or an automotive detail kind of paint. Job. What kind of money were you making uh, doing that previous career? You don't mind me asking. I made right around fifty five, sixty thousand a year. Okay, so you don't have to answer this, but we're going to talk about how you're doing it in a few. But how much money are you making now? Um, so this month we made thirty seven thousand uh, dollars. Well, first month of January we made thirty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> Last year we grossed a little over two hundred and thirty thousand. Right. That was just you without a partner. Yeah, it was just me and my wife last year. Um, we yeah. just uh, just partnered with Jock in uh, January, so this this year's gonna be a little bit better. Hopefully, so, so three years from fifty thousand, let's just say, to two hundred plus. 
And now you're going to crush it this year, probably double that or quadruple it. Who knows? Um, Cause you got systems in place. We were talking about that prior uh, to the, the podcast recording, but with that said, that's that, you know, first of all, that's awesome. And then second of all, like we gotta, we gotta understand how you've got here. How did, how did you come to this uh, standpoint in your life where you're, you know, becoming really, really successful in our local market in Atlanta. So why don't we just take a back step, go all the way back to your childhood. So we can just narrate a story for people, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, talk about yourself at eight years old, if you don't mind me asking or okay. pointing out. Um, eight years old was actually a really rough year for me. Um, I think that was maybe 1997-ish. Uh, my dad passed away two weeks after my eighth birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really hard on us. About four or five year, uh, four or five months later, you know, we were using the insurance money from my dad's death to fix up our childhood home, which was a plantation house that was in our family for seven generations. It was really old, really rough condition. So my mom wanted to restore it. So we used almost a hundred thousand dollars to fix it up. And right as we was getting to the tail end of fixing up the house, it burnt to the ground. Had some wiring issues that uh, end up catching the house on fire. Holy crap! So uh, not only did we lose our de- lose my dad, but then we lost basically a hundred thousand dollars and our house. So um, it was a very very rough year. We ended up having to move into a very small uh, two bedroom trailer, and we lived there for seven years. Me and my two brothers. Then my stepdad came into the picture. You know, shortly after that, and uh, he also had a son. So then we had. Three of us, or four of us, my bad, in a uh, one-bedroom shared bedroom. Wow! Until my parents finally was able to build them a home and 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 move. So um, mm-hmm. it was very rough for a long time, but uh, I kind of kept my sanity because my stepdad kind of got us into dirt bikes when I was eight years old. So he came um, into the picture and loved you like uh, like his own. Absolutely, and, and- yeah. I, I owe a lot to my stepdad. He was a very great guy, and um, he definitely took me under his wing and and showed me how to work on motorcycles and cars and, and taught me how to ride. And I took a, it, that actually kind of carried me into the direction that I ended up being before real estate. You know, I got into racing dirt bikes and I got into racing motorcycles. And then shortly after high school, I, I became a professional stunt rider and I did uh, shows around the country going around doing, doing professional stunt riding shows. And then shortly after that, I, I just wanted a career change. So, um, I started in a paint and automotive business doing paint and body work and stuff like that. Right on. Ended up uh, becoming the the lead manager of the shop for a couple of years until uh, me and my old boss kind of got into a argument one day and he fired me, uh-huh. so, which led me into the real estate. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the, the did you did you like motocross or, or dirt bike riding? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I still race now. <laughs> yeah, so you said you were professional or semi-professional. How uh, how good were you? I was pretty good. I, I met so when I was seventeen, I got my first sport bike, mm-hmm. and um, from that point, I um, was driving around doing crazy stuff like a seventeen-year-old kid on a sport bike would do, and yeah. uh, came across some professional stunt riders in Atlanta that took me under their wing and showed me how to you know how to ride better and. They saw a lot of potential in me. So um, I started hanging out with them more and more. And uh, before long, I figured out that the key to success in stunt riding was getting your name out there to where uh, people would sponsor you. Yeah. you. Get sponsorships, you get better parts, you're, you're able to fix up your bike more, and then you get more shows. So um, 
that's what I did. I, I hit it really hard with marketing and branding for my uh, Justin Ship Freestyle. And I had a Facebook page at the time, which uh, I've shut down since then. When I got into real estate, mm-hmm. I shut down all my old stuff. Well, um, well, well t- tell us about what your old stuff was. Uh, <laughs> you were you're into um, hosting a gun running uh, Facebook group, right? Yeah. I, uh, or you can play the fifth if you want to. I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't go into too much detail about that, but uh, <laughs> I ran a, a pretty successful um, gun raffle page on Facebook for quite some time, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know some stories, uh, and uh, I guess I should not have gone there, but it's pretty fun. Uh, anyways, what it, what it sounds like is uh, you're, you're really good at uh, pushing and, and pushing sales, you know, so from branding yourself, um, doing the dirt bike riding to uh, creating this awesome website that got shut down or whatnot, and then or, or Facebook group, and then doing the automobile body detail work. I guess you weren't really selling there, but you're probably not happy because you're being contained. I would guess. Well, in any business, the key to success is is people. You know, most people don't realize that, but the key the key to success is by is selling yourself to people. You know, if people like you, they're going to buy from you. People like the work you do, they're going to they're going to come to you for the work. If uh, if they like watching you because you're entertaining, they're going to you know they're going to watch you more than the other person. So, sure. really, it's just uh, making yourself likable and branding yourself to be the one person that everybody wants to come to for that specific thing that you're advertising for. Mm-hmm. So, when it was stunt riding, you know, I was pushing out real real heavy for a stunt riding, so everybody would come to me and say, "Hey, can you do this show?" And I would do it. Yeah. And just, I mean, I was on the news a couple of times for a couple of the stunt shows I did. Um, we did, um, uh, there was a guy, kid back when I was like 20 years old. I think his name was uh, Mitch Comer, I mm-hmm. think. They have like a Mitch Comer Foundation now. I did, I did a show for them uh, over in Paulding County. Um, Taylor, I think it was Taylor Farm Park. They yeah. had a big show back when I was, you know, early 20s. I did a show for them. It was on the news and stuff. but. Um, it's all about branding and getting yourself out there. You know, if, if everybody's looking for somebody and then you offer, you know, what they're looking for, but they don't see everybody else, they see you, they're going to come to you. So that's kind of the same thing I did when I got into real estate. I hit it really heavy with marketing. I just blew myself up really, really fast to make sure everybody knew what it is I was doing and why I was doing it. And then you know, it was a trickle effect. Everything yeah. started kind of falling into place. People started calling me. People started texting me and messaging me saying, hey, I got houses for sale. And mm-hmm. um, before long, you know, I was getting deals left and right. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's pause that right there. So you went from 50K a year, <laughs> learning all the stuff that you have learned to three years, making a quarter million of dollars a year. And then this year's going to be your biggest year yet, 2020. What? transpired from the old thinking. Obviously, you've told us a little bit about branding and you know being a likable person and things like that. But now you make the flip, you flip the switch and now you're hustling real estate. I mean, sounds a little bit, I mean, if you guys don't know Justin, he's he's he he, he lives that uh, Gary Vee mentality, um, you know, <laughs> doing the hustle. Uh, he could probably really actually dance and do the real hustle dance. But, uh, <laughs> oh, and by the way, Justin's freaking jacked. Like, this son of a gun's got muscles galore and tats oh everywhere. God, He's crazy. like freaking crazy big. Like, I hate that. Weren't, weren't you a, uh, weren't you a uh, professional bodybuilder at one point? Uh, no, not professional at okay. all. But I did, uh, I did a lot of bodybuilding and, and strongman training back a couple years ago with some really big dudes over here in Douglasville, Georgia. I'm going to shout out, shout them out, Madhouse yep. Gym in Douglasville. 
these guys are crazy huge, crazy strong. So um, a couple of years ago, I was just real big into working out and um, decided I'm going to, you know, try some different gyms out. So just going around trying out, you know, all these fitness places and gyms and stuff. And then finally, uh, they invited me to come to Madhouse and went in there. And uh, I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of muscle I packed on with them guys. I mean, they really, really push you and you, you're lifting some heavy, heavy weight with them. So, I mean, I got yeah. jacked quick yeah. and uh, I was definitely in the best shape of my life when I was working out with them. But, uh, you know, a couple of years later, just things have changed, you know, working a lot harder and you know, my time's a little bit more precious. So I don't have time to work out like I used to, but I've held on to some of my muscle. I'm not like I used to be, but yeah, I'm okay, I guess. Well, I guess that has nothing to do with real estate. I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> but, you know, I had, to, I had to tell everybody um, what Justin looked like. Just in case you don't know, go look him up on uh, Chaotic Realty or, or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll fit in all the uh, websites and Instagram handles at, at the end. But just a, just a likable person. Uh, he's he's unforgettable. If you've ever read the uh, Purple Cow book, he is a purple cow. Have you read the book? By the I way? have not read that. Dude, book. you got to read, read. You got to read that book. I'll, I'll uh, give you my copy. <laughs> by You're a purple cow. You stand out in the crowd and you make yourself remarkable, so that you are unforgettable. So people will always remember you. That's uh, that's what you do. So let's go to Chaotic Realty. Did you have the name Chaotic Realty before you started wholesaling houses? I did. Um, the moment I got into real estate. Like literally the moment I got into real estate, I knew I needed to, to stand out and do something different than everybody else. Purple so the cow, first, first couple of uh, meetups I went to, um, just trying to learn anything I could about real estate. So I was kind of checking out different real estate groups around Atlanta. And every meetup I went to, I would try to get as many business cards as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and when I'd get home, I'd kind of go through them and I'd save every single person's phone number in my phone and, and try to keep their contact info so I could give them a call. Well, as I was going through all these business cards, I noticed that nobody stuck out to me. I couldn't remember what they looked like. I couldn't remember who was who. And I was looking through and I was like, man, I can't remember what, who this person was that I talked to, what their name, I see their name and their number, but I can't remember who that, I couldn't fit the face to the name. Yeah. And it was because no one stuck out to me. So immediately I started thinking, man, I need to do something crazy so that when people do get my card, I do stick out. I'm that sore thumb that sticks out. You know, I, I need to make sure that people remember my face so they'll call me. Yeah. So I started thinking like, man, what, what would be something that would fit good in my life and represent who I am? And I was like, man, everybody's always called me crazy. When I did stunt riding, they, were, they called me the squid because yeah. I was reckless and crazy. I was like, I got to do something different than everybody else. Yeah. So I, I, I started thinking of cool names and I was like, kind of want it to be like something chaotic. And, I, and, I, and then it stuck out. As soon as I said chaotic, it stuck out to me. I was like, man, chaotic. That sounds, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Chaotic realty. I like that. And yeah. then- uh, It's a play on your personality and your, yeah. uh, your tats. You're on your exactly. Body. <laughs> so, uh, so with me being as crazy as I am, as chaotic as I am, I figured chaotic realty was a perfect example to uh, blend them together. Yeah. And I knew that just like with the stunt riding and, uh, and everything else I've ever done in life, you know, to be rememberable, you got to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at all the colors and everything that everybody else was doing. And I noticed that pretty much everybody else was very basic, boring colors, trying to be like serenity and like calm and cooling. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do something different. I'm just <laughs> going to do something super crazy. So I did. Uh, so I reached out to my friend, Ryan. I was like, look, I need you to make me a really cool logo. I had a really crappy logo when I first started just to kind of get things moving. But uh, as soon as I met up with Ryan, I was like, look, I need something crazy. I need something wild. I need something I can wrap my truck with. And it sticks out crazy wild. So uh, Ryan Bennett at Create Graphics, I had him draw me up a, a really cool logo and I, I told him to run with it. And 
I was like, make it bright, make it loud, make it. I told them I wanted to make it look like when I give them my when I give someone my card, I want them to think that I'm a tattoo artist. <laughs> they said, okay. I was like, yeah, I want them to be confused when I go to a, a real estate event. I, when I hand them yeah. my card, I want people to be confused, like, what the heck is this? And yeah. they they look at it, you right. know, because if they hand, if I hand them a white card, they're not even going to look at it. They're just going to put it in their pocket. Right. But if I give them a green and blue card and it feels really nice and looks really cool, immediately they're gonna they're gonna be like, what the heck is this? What do you do exactly? Either that or they think you're the joker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are wearing a you are wearing a shirt that says I murder real estate. <laughs> well, I do. So well, yeah, what's the story behind the shirt? Why would you murder real estate? How, what does that mean? So um I, I, as a lot of people know, um, or may not know, I uh, I run a local meetup group over in Paulding County, Georgia called the Real Estate Assassins Group Meetup. How I came up with that name is that everybody it seems like every day when I'm posting stuff on Facebook stuff, everybody keeps on saying, man, you're killing it. Man, you're killing it. And I thought, man, that would actually be like a really cool meetup name. Like you're killing it meetup or something. Yeah. I start, so I start thinking, I was like, no, it can't be that. So um, I came up with the real estate assassins. We yeah. murder real estate. We kill real estate. We're killing it. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I came up with that. And I thought it was really cool. So yeah, kind of ran with it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's talk about logistics. So you go from fifty thousand dollars a year to two fifty, three hundred, whatever. So tell us about a tell us about your business specifically. Like, what do you do on a day to day basis? Or yeah, in just, general? Give us a, just give us an an overview of. Well, actually, let's do both. Let's do what what is the general like? What do you do? And then so show us an example of of a normal day for you. We have a lot of different uh, marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. So I would say our primary marketing strategy is consistent marketing. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we post up on Facebook, you know, daily. We post up on Instagram daily. We um we post up in Facebook groups, you know, that we're looking to buy houses. That's just one strategy. That's the cheap free ones. You know, mm-hmm. we we have someone that usually it's my wife. She'll come in and uh, she'll post up in all these groups. Hey, we're looking for a house to buy in this area. If anyone has anything, you know, contact us. Do you get leads that way? Oh yeah. Yeah, wow. I've gotten quite a few leads that way, and yeah. uh, it's it's so easy, free way for someone to to get leads. You know, especially when they're first coming in the door. But it's also a consistent market base for you know as you're growing to keep getting leads for yeah. free. Will that work outside of Atlanta? Oh yeah, I, I posted <laughs> it in uh, I posted in Panama City Facebook group and got several leads uh, yeah. last year doing nice. that. Nice. So I mean, yeah, it, it worked in any any area, any anywhere in the country. So um, I do that. We do that. We also buy vacant house list and we send out direct mail. We do text blast, text blast campaigns um, and, and we do cold calling. So we have a VA that goes through, they, she skips traces all the, uh, all the lists that we have. Then they go through and they call each individual person. Mm-hmm. The ones that do not hit or it has bad numbers, we then do either a deeper skip trace on and re-hit them again mm-hmm. or we go door knock them. So I like personally door knocking because I'm, I'm a people person. I like to talk to people. So the ones that don't have a good phone number or if we don't have success talking to them on the phone, I will usually, if they're within, say, an hour of me, if I have time that day, I'll just make a list of houses I'm going to go door knock and I'll go door knock on them. Hey, how you doing? I just wanted to come by. I'm the owner of Chaotic Realty. Yeah. I wanted to see if you wanted to sell your house located at ABC Street and see how it goes, see how the conversation flows. But I have gotten quite a few deals that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's not share all your secrets, uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so you're door knocking, and yeah, sorry, man, I got to bring it back to the tattoos. Is that does that <laughs> is that in your favor when you're meeting people in person? Uh, does that help you out, or does it uh, hurt you a little bit? 
I would say it it doesn't hinder me or or hurt me, yeah. but um, I don't think it gives me any advantage either. Well, this is no um, per, this is no persecution. On, 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 <laughs> heck, I've got a tattoo. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like you, if you came to my door, I might feel like I'm intimidated. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. People when they first see me without talking to me, like the first thought of me, I guess, as I'm walking up to their door, usually is they're a little bit timid, a little bit scared. I mean, I, I can't blame them really if I pull up, you know, and, and I'm, but what helps me is the credibility of, you know, all my, I, I always show up with, you know, my hats on, my, my shirts on, yeah. all that stuff. So it's all branded. My truck, it obviously is fully wrapped and it says we buy houses. I try to usually park it like on the street where if I open, wherever it's facing their door. So if they're going to be coming out the door, they'll see my truck parked right there. It says we buy houses. Okay. So it's, your your your, uh, your truck looks awesome, man. By the way, it, uh, yeah, I can see that. Like if you're you if they open their door, they see your truck right behind you. They see we buy houses, and it's decked out in the same color scheme. You got the you got the apparel on, and then you just you're basically a likable guy. So mm-hmm. you're gonna you're just gonna kill them with kindness and just try to talk to them in a natural conversation. Is that Abs- how it goes? Absolutely, yeah. and. Uh, Sometimes it, it goes really, really well. Sometimes not so much. But I'd say I have way more good people, you know, that that, that like me, yeah, I guess, yeah. than uh, than people that cuss me out and, and say, you know, get yeah. lost. But yeah, that's the biggest thing is, you know, making sure you, when you approach someone, you approach them in a way where they're going to feel safe and secure. Yeah. So like when I, door, you know, when I door knock, I back up, you know, six, seven, eight feet away from the door. So I'm not right up on them. Uh-huh. I make sure I have a business card in one hand, flyer in the other. Mm-hmm. I'm always smiling. So when they open the door, I'm like, hey, how you doing, ma'am? And I'm always smiling. And then I always point to my truck. Hey, I'm the owner of Chaotic Realty. I just parked my truck. I didn't want to park in your, I didn't know if you wanted me to park in your driveway or not. So, mm-hmm. and just, you know, if you, as long as you're kind and, and courteous, you know, people usually respect that and sure. they're not going to get too offensive. Plus, we're in a world now, it's a little bit different than when we were kids, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, tattoos were a lot more taboo, I guess, you know, yeah. and, and now they're getting to be a lot more acceptable. So yeah. people in business, I mean, honestly, I have, if, if I go through my Facebook, I'd say I have what, close to four or 5,000 friends. Mm-hmm. And I'd say 3,000 of them have tattoos. I think more of them have tattoos than don't. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it's just getting more common every day. Yeah. The, the reason why I was just bringing it all up is because I think a lot of people think, uh, especially in different areas of the country, oh, real estate is just this extreme professional business. And it can be, and it, and it should be treated that way with all respects. But at the same time, anybody can do it. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but it doesn't matter what you look like. What tattoos you have on your body, income status, where you came from, trailer park, or or you know a mansion. You want to do real estate, you can do real estate. So that's kind of where I was leading this up to. Um, so so you said something a couple of terms. I'm sure most people know it uh, that are in real estate. But if a beginner is listening to this, what is skip tracing? Skip tracing is essentially tracking down the owner of a property. Yeah. Um, so if you pull up at a house and 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 you pull it up and it says, you know, John Smith owns this property. Well, who is John Smith? You don't know John Smith. So you need to find John Smith. So you're going to send it off to someone who looks into people and tries to find them and you skip trace them. It's basically, you're going to try to track down where this person lives currently and what their phone number is. So you can try to get in touch with them to see if they want to sell that property. So, I mean, it's kind of like being a private investigator. And uh, to me, it's kind of funny because in my opinion, being a wholesaler or investor, when you're looking for your own deals, to me, you're probably 90% of a private investigator more than you are a real estate investor. Yeah. I mean, I'd say 90% of the work is finding the good deal. 
Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it just falls into place. So it's it's really hard to find good deals unless you're actively looking. And you pretty much got to do this full time if you if you want to find the really good ones. Well, you said it earlier. Uh, consistency is key. Like you know, as long as you're being consistent, um, you're going to find the deals. And you know, I I uh, I do some direct seller marketing too. So you know, I've got I got my daughter every night. Uh, she's she's packing letters into envelopes, and we're sending them out to target a list. Um, nice. All over the area, paying her one hundred fifty dollars a week, which is great for me. And you know, it's giving her a little spending money. She's fifteen. Once she turns sixteen, I'll give her a raise. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's showing her how to go from you know skip the E quadrant, go to the 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 B con the B quadrant. I'm sorry, the uh, S quadrant. Now she's self employed. She's a That's contractor, awesome. and she works on her own schedule. She doesn't get done by the end of the week. It rolls into the next week, and she lost out on last week's pay. And she's learning that the hard way, uh, which is which is funny, but. Um, yeah, yeah. So skip tracing, going back to skip tracing. So, I mean, let's just throw a nugget out there for people. We don't want to give all your secrets away, but, um, you know, there's a free site like truepeoplesearch.com or you can do, uh, paid stuff with, uh, uh, batch skip tracing or, um, you know, what's a couple of other ones that you, you know, of that you utilize. So so we actually use batch skip tracing a lot. Um, they're probably one of the best as far as, uh, you know, probably like a 60, 70% hit rate on mm-hmm. uh, return addresses and, and uh, phone numbers. There is quite a few other one. I, I know Empower Solutions is one and um, Skip skip Trace something. Skip Genie. There's, skip Genie, there's yeah. Skip this, skip that. Um, I'll be honest, <laughs> if it's if we have a small list, like um, under 50 or maybe even under 100, uh, we individually skip trace them using the True People Search app on Android. And it's pretty accurate most of the time. And even if it's not accurate on that specific person, you can always fall back and start skip tracing the relatives and yeah. kind of get in touch with people that way, which is what we did on one just last week. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, we'll send out, you know, quite a few lists and stuff like to skip trace Genie or skip Genie or, or, or batch skip tracing. And uh, we might only, we might send out like 10,000 leads to get skip trace and only get back like two 2,000. Yeah. You wow. know, so, I mean, on those ones, you got to go further and try to skip trace them again or, and go a little bit deeper. So we'll we'll actually get targeted lists of specific houses. We'll go through True People Search and start skip tracing the relatives, and then writing down the the relatives' addresses, and then we'll start going and door knocking and yeah. and calling the the relatives and trying to find out where that person is. Yeah, yeah. No, you and and you do a good job at uh, pulling these lists. Uh, you came in and uh, to my virtual mastermind, my uh, uh, real residential real estate investor uh, boot camp, I guess is what it is, really. And uh, you did some Q and A's and a small teaching on on pulling searches after I was mm-hmm. going through it, and all of my clients got a lot of value out of that. So I wanted to say thank you for that. And then, uh, um, secondly, let's just let's shift gears a little bit. Let's uh, let's go into wholesaling assignments and wholesaling and you know methodology. Like, what does that uh, what does that look like? So you've told us about your day to day. Task. What do you do when you contract a property with an owner and then you know, take the A to B to the B to C? The A to B is with the owner. Uh, you got the contract with the owner. Now you're either going to sign it or you're going to wholesale it. Uh, um, you know, transactional lending, you're going to do assignment or you'll do a back-to-back closing. If you can find an attorney that'll still do that nowadays. What, uh, what's, your, what's your methodology? So we, we do mostly assignments. Um, Why do you do that? Just because I don't want to have to get hit with a double closing fee, <laughs> right? Saves money, yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, cuts into my profit. So um, I, we try to do as many assignments as possible. Um, obviously, not every deal you can do an assignment on. Some deals, you know, the seller, you do not want them to know that you're getting paid on it or the end buyer, you definitely don't want them to know how much you get paid. And yeah. um, on circumstances like that, you know, you do a double close and there's still a few closing attorneys that we deal with that that will allow double closes. Yeah. And uh, well, it's not illegal. It's just, I think it dances around the uh, gray line. So, I mean, basically in a perfect setup, I mean, I've done it several times in the past, but I mean, you you have your A to B contract and I'm over here teaching what I was asking you to teach. I'm sorry, but uh, you have your A to B contract and then you just turn it into the the attorney's office and tell them to go ahead and and pull the title and get it ready. And then you schedule closing. And, but you also tell them, hey, I've got a B2C contract. I want to resell this to this person. Um, can you line both these contracts on, up on the same day and have the purchaser, the end buyer, buy the property, mm-hmm. uh, but have them wire the money in maybe the day before? And then you fund uh, both transactions on the same day, but you use his funds to pay for the, the A to B contract. And it, it, works like, it works like gold. I mean, it's uh, you know, just some attorneys get a little weird about it. You know, for their bar review or whatever, and you know, their book's got to be automated. Um, some of them like to see the the real income outgo mm-hmm. uh, and so on, but some of them just you know, they're they're great to work with if you can find yeah. them in your area. M- most of the ones that do it nowadays are um, they'll, they'll just go ahead and have the B two C contract come in, sign first, and and wire the funds and everything. And then once they money hits and everything, then they'll have A B come in. They sit down, they sign it, and then they'll just kind of swap the contracts over. Yeah. So I mean, it's not cuts you back the difference for the margin that you yep. charge, and yeah. it's um, it's really easy. Usually, I mean, it's not really a problem. I just don't like doing it if I don't have to, just because I don't want to have to lose thousand dollars on the closing. Yeah, thousand uh, dollars. I mean, what's your for Atlanta, Georgia? What's your average profit? Uh, kind of depends. I don't really have an average. I do a lot of different strategies. So a lot of people aren't doing subject twos or creative finance stuff like that. So I, we have a lot of that stuff mixed in. So on a traditional wholesale, we're typically making you know. Try to get between six and ten thousand, yeah. uh, typically. But uh, on subject two deals or, or other specific deals where the margins are a lot tighter, you know, you may not be able to make six or ten thousand because it don't make sense for the end, end buyer. Yeah. So you got to take whatever you can get. I mean, I've had closings as low as five hundred dollars, but yeah. and I saw I just saw you on Facebook. Hey, not every closing I get rich on, but I got five hundred dollars. A closing yeah. still a closing. It adds to the it does you know, to the money um, in the bank. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that you feel kind of. Crappy, but then you start thinking about it. I mean, at a normal job, I mean, what what's your typical income for a normal job? You know, maybe five hundred to a thousand dollars a week. So I mean, I have probably eight, ten hours in the deal and made five hundred dollars. I mean, it's still better than having a normal job. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in real estate, you can work a, a job at McDonald's for ten years, and if you just do this part time, you'll be a millionaire in ten years. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. If you, if you have a passion for it and so on and so forth. What, is, uh, what does it look like when you, uh, are, are, you said you've done over 200 transactions now? What does it look like when you're, you're moving that many pieces of real estate in three years? I mean, that's what, 80 properties a year or it's, uh, close to it? Is it a lot? A it's chaotic. My <laughs> <laughs> own words. It's, uh, it's very hectic. Um, yeah. In fact, um, this last month we had eight contracts. Um, and it's just me and Jock. So mm-hmm. juggling all those uh, transactions, I definitely recommend that as soon as possible, we need to you know get us a transaction coordinator to help yeah. us with all that. Because um, acquisitions is one whole monster by itself. But then when you have the transactions, you got to coordinate and then you got to try to you know get all the closings and stuff worked out on the, that end. 
unless you're trying to dispo the properties. Maybe some of them don't make sense for for you to buy or or my other buyers to buy. So yep. then you got to dispo them and send them out and stuff. You know, it gets it gets pretty crazy, and you end up working a lot of hours trying to get everything you know situated. Right. So um, yeah, the transactions to me is almost harder than acquisitions, just because once you get the uh, property under contract, you know, then you got to figure out who's going to buy it, who's going to close it, you know. And then get all the pieces of the puzzle in place. You know, you got to coordinate it with the seller, coordinate it with the buyer. You got to make sure that, uh, especially like if it's a subject to deal or or a deal where they're in pre foreclosure and time is of the essence, you got to get reinstatement fees hurried up and, and got from the bank. You need to get uh, payoff amounts, and and sometimes they the banks don't want to work with you. We just lost one yesterday where uh, we contracted it a week and a half ago. And we contacted the bank. The bank said, well, it's in the lawyer's office. So you need to contact the lawyer's office, contact the lawyer's office. They say it's going to take 72 hours for them to get us the payoff and reinstatement uh, fee. Right. We contacted them for four days in a row. And then yesterday, uh, today, it went to auction because yesterday we called them again and said, hey, we still haven't got the reinstatement and stuff. And they said, oh, we're still working on it. Uh-huh. Well, they still haven't gotten it to us. And guess what? Now it's Tuesday and it goes to auction. Yeah. So we could not save that deal because time is of the essence. Yeah. And so that stuff right there is stressful. When you're when you're <laughs> telling the seller, hey, we're going to close in your house before the auction date, and you're trying to get everything coordinated, and you're trying to contact the bank and contact the closing office constantly every day, and they're not wanting to cooperate with you, it gets crazy. And that's just one transaction. We had to call literally four days in a row trying to coordinate all that stuff, then right. contacting the closing office, telling them, hey, we're still trying to get the payoff amount. Can you help <laughs> us with this? You know, it gets crazy. How does that go with... Uh... The seller that's, you know, so, you're their only you know, scapegoat. So you're- we told him when we first talked to him, we talked to him about three and a half weeks ago. And we told him that time was of the essence. You need to sign this contract as soon as possible so we can go ahead and start running title and get it. We tell him, you know, the longer you wait, the longer the possibility of us not being able to save you from yeah. foreclosure. Right. You know, if we, if you wait till the last minute, you know, it's going to end up getting auctioned off at, at the courthouse and you're going to get evicted the next day. Mm-hmm. And he just kept on saying, hey, I got to talk to my wife. I got to talk to my wife. I got to talk to my wife. Well, he let two weeks go by of him, you know, not wanting to sign the contract and stuff. And then finally he signed the contract. Well, it just so happens that he was two weeks too short because they late in the dollar short, um, yeah. four, four days of us hassling with the bank and the lawyer's office and then contacting closing office and trying to get everything coordinated. Yeah. And it just wasn't enough time. They didn't get us the payment stuff in yeah. time and we couldn't save it. Wow. So um, it really sucks because I'm one of those people that want to help as many people as possible. Yeah. And I'm also a man of my word. So if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But we tried everything in our power to make sure that that was going to happen. And we already had money set aside and everything. We was going to buy this one and take it down ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have money in the bank ready to go. And it just so happened, we you know, we didn't know what the payoff was. He didn't have none of the paperwork from the lawyers and, and nothing. I mean, it just an uh, unfortunate situation. And you can't, t- you can't win them all, I guess, you know? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's, Ask you about what your biggest struggle is in wholesaling. What, what do you feel like is your biggest struggle? Organization, for sure. <laughs> well, it's just, your your company's called Chaos Real. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's extremely hard to get organized. Right. Extremely hard to stay on specific task, and um, unless you have systems in place and a CRM and and everything is organized it gets really crazy really fast. And it's really hard to keep up with who you've talked to, who you have it, who, who you've got contracts with, who you don't, who's already been sold, who already, who's been closed out, you know, when closing dates are set, 
uh, what appointments, you know, I forget about appointments all the time. And then people call me, Hey, you missed our appointment. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I cannot oh, wow. believe I missed our appointment. I'll, I'll, uh, can we, can we come look at it today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, it's just really, really chaotic. You know, what, a, what do you feel like is your biggest failure over the last three years? I would say probably managing my time more efficiently. Um, I feel like I work all the time and I'm not able to really spend as much quality time with my kids and my wife that I really need to and show them the attention that they deserve. Yeah. And uh, time management has been really hard. It's, you know, to, to be successful in this business, you really got to give it your all and you got to work hard and you got to work on days that you don't want to work. You know, yeah. like people call me on a Sunday and say, hey, I want to look at my, I want you to come look at my house today. I'm, I'm ready to sell. I'm ready to sign a contract. Guess what? You get your ass out of bed and you go get on. You get that contract signed on a Sunday. Yeah, it's a blessing so, and a curse at the same time. So it's crazy. It's it's cool because I don't have a set schedule like I used to have, where I'd leave work, leave home at six o'clock in the morning, not get home till seven o'clock at night, and I never got to see my family. I get to see my family a lot more now, but I feel like even though I see them a lot more now. I actually spend less time with them, more quality time with them now. Because yeah. as before, I had a set schedule. When I come home, my time was devoted to them because I was no longer working and no had no longer devotion to work. You know, it was, you know, once I left work, I left work. Yeah. Now, when I leave work, I don't actually ever leave. Yeah. Like if I get a call at 11 o'clock at night, someone says, hey, I got a solid deal for you. I want to talk about it. I answer the phone. Yeah. And it's really hard to get out of that. Um, that struggle of being able to manage family time and, you know, full-time real estate investor. Yeah. I think, I think the way to, you know, when I used to have my former company investor network, uh, way to mitigate that is just to have systems and more people in place mm -hmm. and you can pay them well or you can pay them cheap. Uh, it, it's up to you and you'll get the help that's appropriate to the pay. But it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a way to, I guess, kind of flow everything easier. Mm -hmm. But I did, you know, at that time, we built it up to the point where it was just consuming us. And I was always working. I mean, if we're taking family photos or at a, a birthday party when my kids were younger, I'm the guy in the background talking on the phone. Yep, so, same. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and for some reason, it seems like it's like that again. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, you know, I'm two years out of, uh, you know, my former business partnership. And uh, it's like, man, it's, I'm work, 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 work. Yep. So I'm in the same place, a uh, little bit, you know, different type of business, but it's like, man, I'm trying to recreate myself with new systems and and so on and so forth. And I think uh, I think it's just just put. And I know what the answer is. You just got to be willing to spend the money and, and put people in place to help you. Well, I think a lot of it also is uh, just having a little bit of patience because uh, and have and trying to let them know and understand where you're at and where you're trying to go, yeah. and just hopefully they're willing to work with you on that. So like where we're at, we're growing fast. Yeah. So I know that by the end of this year or maybe even the end of next year, you know, you sacrifice, you know, a year or two of work, of hard, hard work to get to where you need to go. And by that time, hopefully that at that point, everything is kind of systemized, automated, and kind of flowing where you can kind of step back and not work so many hours a week. And then you, and then you have all that freedom that most people don't have. You know, you're basically be retired. You know, yeah. My my goal is to be retired by thirty five, yeah. for the most part. How old are you now? Thirty one. I just turned thirty one. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's funny is I could have stopped working a couple of years ago. I can stop working now, but get addicted to work. You want to keep working. Like I, I just, I appreciate creativity um, of real estate. Like it's 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 a fun. Even even though it's a love hate relationship. Like mm -hmm. I've been doing this for almost twenty years. 
I just don't see myself ever stopping. Like, you know, I do have other interests like this podcast and, um, you know, doing my virtual masterminds and working with different people and teaching the young budding entrepreneurs how to do what I've done over the last 20 years. It's like, man, you can create new assets. But I, I mean, once you're, once you're hooked, you're hooked. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see you jumping on a, uh, or flying down to a remote beach island and sipping on a, uh, <laughs> sex on a beach while you're having sex on a beach. <laughs> you, don't, you don't see me doing that? <laughs> I mean, forever. Well, I mean, maybe short, okay. short term, but doing do, it for, I do it at least for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's start. Let's, so we talked about your failures. We talked about, um, you know, whatever. What's, what do you feel like has been your biggest success over the last three years doing what you do? Biggest success? Mm-hmm. Man, that's kind of hard. Um, it, it doesn't have to be monetary. It could be I, like a, a, a win, a, a personal win. I don't know. You I know, think you, as I, a whole, as a whole, my big, biggest success has been just getting from nowhere to somewhere as quickly as I did. Yeah. Like to me, to be so young in this business, really, mm-hmm. uh, three years to me really ain't a whole long time. I, I've really created a pretty strong name for myself already. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to to have never had any prior experience in real estate whatsoever. And then three years later, speaking on podcasts, speaking at events, going to meetups and everybody pretty much knowing who I am, it it really reiterates how important it is for branding and and how important it is to get out there yep. and just hustle and work hard and make sure that you're talking to people. I think that has been the biggest growth of my success is is doing that. And now that I'm where I'm at, I'm able to get way more consistent leads and way more credibility. And I've built a lot of rapport in this business where people trust me and people know that I'm serious and people know that I'm here to stay. You know, three years ago, people, when I first started, they, they, they didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah. You know, they, they were looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and, you know, and it might have been true, but... Three years later, I'm still here. Now they're starting to see see that I'm I'm a force to be reckoned with, and they're yeah. you know now they're asking me for help and stuff. People that three <laughs> years ago thought I was crazy and stupid and didn't know what I was doing and thought I should quit and give up before while I was ahead, yeah. now they're asking me, "Hey, how did you do that? Can can I can you bring me on? Can you help me? Can you show me and guide me?" And uh, I don't mind. I don't yeah. mind helping people because uh, some people need help more than others. And yeah, you no, know, well, I just got lucky. I think really right, right. Well, it's a uh... It's a scratch your back kind of uh, mentality. Like I scratch your back, you scratch my back, like um, so on and so forth. Like let's all help each other rise above the ashes. You know? Absolutely. Uh, hence the former name of my podcast. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So, all right. So we've talked about your wins, your, your failures, your successes and blah, 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 blah. Tell us to, to end this segment before we do some rapid fire uh, questions and hold the uh, interview up. Tell us your hardest deal you've ever worked on. Man, hardest deal. I know one of them that I was working on with you, 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 you were threatened to be sued several times. That one was a pretty hard one. I ain't gonna lie. We can talk about that one for a moment. Yeah, that, the house in Lithia Springs that I was uh, yeah. getting under contract, we, we was trying to get that deal under contract for months. Yeah. Um, my buddy lived right next door, kept telling me that the house was vacant and um, it looked rough. And I was like, man, that's you know, that's kind of perfect houses we're looking for. Yeah. So um, we went down. He lived three hours away. The owner did. And we called him and called him and called him and he never answered his phone. So finally, we decided to just jump in my truck and go down there and talk to him. Yeah. We get down there and he said, no, nah, I'm not interested in selling. I'd, I'd really like for y'all to leave. Well, yeah. I was like, man, we just wasted three hours coming down here. So we, we I, I talked to him for a little bit more. We kind of 
moved the subject around, talked about other stuff, and then yeah. we kind of circled back around again. And yeah. um, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it, but I'm not, I'm not wanting to sell yet. Yeah. So we said, okay. So we left it at that. Well, two, three months go by. He still got the property, hasn't done anything with it. So we start calling him again. And uh, no answer. So then we waited a few more months. I'm like, I'm about to go down there again. Well, then all of a sudden, one day, my buddy gets a call from the neighbor. He calls says, hey, I decided I do want to sell my house now. Health has gotten bad and I need to sell really quick. He goes, I, I don't want to die and, and not and then have this, this burden on my wife and kids. Oh, wow. He goes, so, so but he ended up not dying. He, he's good. <laughs> Health is fine now. Uh, that, but, that's why he's cussing you out like crazy. But uh, he, was, he was super <laughs> mad and uh, and and angry about his life and how health was going and stuff. But he said, I want to sell this house. I want to sell it really fast. So we, uh, we made a deal with him. We told him, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, like 45000 whatever. I can't remember what I sell it to you for. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe forty five. I think it was 45000 is what we told him we'd give him for. And um, he said, uh, that's too low. I want fifty five. I said, well, that's way too high. I'll give you forty five. So we went back and forth like that for a few days. Then finally, he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So we got on a contract for 45000 and um, sent it to everybody and nobody wanted it. Everybody was like, man, that house is a piece of junk. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe we got this on a contract and we're not going to be able to move it when I thought for sure at the price we got it for, it was going to move so fast. And uh, so we kept on, kept on for a few weeks. And then uh, I told the guy, I called the guy back and I was like, look, man, I, I hate to do this to you. I do not ever do this. I have never had to cancel a contract before but I have to terminate this contract. We, we are not able to buy this. I was like, we went and had contractors look at it. They're telling us it needs $20,000 more than what we originally thought. Um, I had several of my partner buyers go look at it. They all say, saying the same thing. You know, I was thinking it was going to be like $60,000, $70,000 rehab. They're saying it's going to be more like a hundred. I was like, we are way in over ahead on this one and we just cannot get it done. Well, he hung up on me and a couple of days later, he calls me back and he goes, just so you know, I talked to uh, the Douglas County uh, Commissioner Board or something, and I talked to the state representative for, uh, what is it, the um, prosecutor, uh, prosecutor, like state oh, prosecutor shoot. and stuff, stuff. And he's like, we're, we're, just so you know, we're suing you. I said, <laughs> you're doing what? He said, we're suing you for non-performing on your loan and lying about, you know, you buying the house and all this stuff. And I was like, sir, this, this is ridiculous. I was like, so we talked to him. I talked to him on the phone for like an hour. And he said, well, you should get a subpoena to court in a couple of days. I was like, great. So then I started reaching out to everybody. I said, I said, give me another week. Let me, let's extend the contract for another week. If you can drop the price to 43000 or 44000 I'll make it work. He goes, nope, you said forty five. That's all I'm doing. And uh, I was like, oh my God. Okay, let me see what I can do. So I called every single person I could. I messaged people. I posted on Facebook, posted on Craigslist. I had never hustled so hard to get a deal sold before. And the first person I had originally sent it to, that said he didn't want it, <laughs> called me back. He goes, you know what? I've been thinking about this house a little bit more. I might be interested in it. What, what's the lowest you can get it for me? I said, man, you give me, you give me 45000 which is what I got under contract for, and you can have it. Yeah. I, just do, I just want it gone. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> so um, Brandon bought it. and. Uh, we got that deal done and he threw me 500 bucks yeah. on top of it just to help me out for getting the deal done. And, uh, you know, I was just super happy not to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh man, dude, it was, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Um, this property here, uh, specifically, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's something I'll probably teach in another a video or another podcast, but, uh, did a hotel on it. Um, I didn't think, 
you know, that, that property specifically scared me. I, it was rough. Yeah, it scared me. I'm like, <laughs> I, there's not too many properties that scared me. And this one to be to infinity and beyond with the budget. I'm like, you know what? Let somebody else take that risk. So I just kind of do what I normally do, uh, which is something not, norm, not normally do. I usually do a full detail flip, but I went in and just kind of paused to turn, uh, put a new roof on it, uh, spray painted the outside, did a $2,000 yard cleanup and, uh, you know, just fixed a lot of rotten gave some, floor. Gave it some curb appeal. Yeah, yeah. Fixed the foundation because it was flooding in water. Like, and then we got through it and I've already spent $30,000. I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I thought it was. So we put it on the market um, as is. And the first time Flipper came in and just contracted it actually. So, and what'd you sell it for? <laughs> it's going to make you sick. <laughs> uh, I'm in it for 75 and we got it in a contract for 105. That's yeah. good. That's a good profit. Yeah. But you know what? I had a, this is something I'll, I'll uh, part to you. Old man's wisdom, 37 years old to young man zeal, um, 31 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a multimillionaire client of mine when I was practicing real estate as an agent. And uh, he said, look, Brandon, um, the only way to make money in this business is to take on the stuff that everybody runs away from. So mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you will take, if you will take the, take on the deal that everybody's scared of, that's where you're going to make the most money. And, and that's kind of what done it. that's kind of what we do with the doing the subject two flips and stuff that everybody everybody else is scared of subject twos, especially if they don't know really much about how to structure them. Yeah. And um, honestly, it's, it's crazy because that's our bread and butter. We did five subject two deals last month. Yeah. Five. When yeah. most people are not even doing one a year, we we did five in one month, and it's because everybody else comes in these situations and like, yeah. there's no equity here. We yeah. can only give you like a hundred thousand dollars for your house, but you owe one thirty to the mortgage. Mm. And we're like, okay, well we'll take it, but these are the terms we got to get it subject to, and this is how we're going to structure it. And most people, they have no other options. Yeah. They're going to take that bait. And yeah. when they take that bait, now you just add, either add it to your portfolio yeah. or you wholesale the subject to, yeah. and you still make money. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of the subject to deals that people are scared to do, and it ends up working out pretty well for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope your um, business completely. You know, Throws you off a cool half million or a million or more this year. God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring me some more deals. Um, yeah, the so let's just uh, wrap up. Uh, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite book you've ever read ever? Whether so, it's real estate related or not, doesn't I'm matter. actually really big on psychology books. Yeah. So a lot of the books I've read are, are based on psychology. And um, I'll tell you, I'll give you my three of my favorite books. Sure. I'm going to pull them up real quick. Has anyone heard of Unfuck Yourself? Yeah, Gary Bishop. Yeah, book. I like that book. That's a really good book. And um, also, I like um, The Art of Psychology. And I can't remember who, who actually wrote that book. That's yeah. why I was trying to look it up real quick. Okay. I've read The 10X Rule. I kind of like it a little bit, but it was pretty plain Jane to me. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I've um, read that. And I was like, everybody raves about this book. And I'm not knocking. The Grant Art of War is a really good book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Subliminal Psychology. I like that book. Oh, I haven't read that. I, I like any, anything really to do with like yeah. getting you thinking about how the mind yeah. works. Because yeah. to me, psychology is more important than real estate yeah. because psychology teaches you how to sell people. Yeah. You know, if you can learn the art of psychology, yeah. you can really get people to kind of not necessarily do what you want, but... Say you have a, a deal that makes sense and, you know, and you're trying to help that person, but they just can't see that you're helping them. Yeah. You know, if you can subliminally kind of convince them that you have the best offer on the table, they're going to go with you. You're going to sell them. Right. So um, there's a lot of things that the mind is, is, is super fascinating to me. 
So like different colors, different phrases, different things you can do and say, the way you do your hand motions, eye contact, everything makes a difference on how people look at you and portray you. So getting people to like you has a lot to do with psychology. You should uh, you should do the NLP training. That's something I'm interested in doing. Uh, Neurolinguistic programming. Um, Tony Robbins uh, is skilled at it, uh, but it's yeah, I mean, allows you to take control and just kind of shock value people mm-hmm. uh, and to just kind of grab their attention and keep on talking. Mm-hmm. Where both, most people tune you out, like you'll say certain key phrases, and maybe I'm butchering this whole thing. Maybe I'm completely wrong because I haven't really <laughs> truly researched it, but. Um, you know, I could just say "fuck" right now, and then everybody's like, "Oh shoot!" But it's draws automatic, uh, automatic attention. Mm-hmm. Just different things like that when people wouldn't think I would say it. So you know, it's really good, and I've, I think I've learned some of it along the way naturally. But I would like to do that. You said something about Grant Cardone's book. I, you know, I was I was about to say like I I read that recently for the first time ever, and I wasn't impressed. I'm not knocking Grant Cardone, but like I, that was the most basic what I was book saying, I've ever read. What I what I was saying, I like the book because I like the fundamentals of what yeah. he's trying to get out. Yeah, like. You should work 10 times harder than everybody. Do 10 mm. times more than everybody. Like really push yourself to be the best at whatever you're trying to do to where you draw everybody's attention. Yeah. You know, that's basically what he's trying to say, but he says it in a really boring kind of way. Yeah, that's what, and I, it's that's not, what I got. And it's very, very basic information, but he keeps alliterating it over and over to where, <laughs> and to, so you get it. So I under, like when I say I like it, I like, yeah. I like what the concept is. I just don't like his specific book Right. On it. I agree. But there's a lot of books I've read, man. I mean, I can't even, I don't know. I, there's so many books that I've read and, and that I like that I, I really can't pick just one book. But out of all the books I've read, I like the psychology books the best. Yeah. I'm really fascinated with psychology. What's your favorite movie or documentary and why? Pick one this time. There's got to be just one. I'm a big film buff. One movie. So, to rule them all. <laughs> oh, man. Or if you don't know, you can skip. It doesn't matter. Um, I like the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good movie. I like the Wolf of Wall Street. I, I, and in fact, I almost got him tattooed on me. Oh no! Wall Street. I almost did just because I love how hungry and hustle like yeah. hustle mindset he is. Yeah, you know, you know that movie like really spoke to me. I mean, obviously, it's not about real estate, but um, it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, yeah. making money's easy if you just hustle and work hard for it. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Gary B. Um, yeah, that's that's his philosophy as well. All right, so what is your favorite musician? I'm going to start throwing pop culture in there. My, my... I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't really listen to a lot of music, but when I do listen to music, I listen to more country. And it's just yeah. because that's what well, I, was, I was raised in the country. Yeah. There you go. There you go, man. That's it. That's, that's I, I listen to a lot of rock too. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit crazy. I like the kind of rock stuff. I'm not really big on, on rap yeah. or um, pop kind of stuff, but... Uh, yeah. I will listen to a you know occasional song here and there, you know. Sure. I like uh, Snoop Dogg, Jenna Juice. Uh, no, I'm more like uh, I forget who sings the song, but want to be a baller. I like that song. Uh, there like you go. Oh man. Well, um, what's some? What's some? Uh, this is the last question. What is, or actually the next to last question? What is some wisdom you can impart on to newbies uh, in this business that wants to get in? to real estate doing wholesale on Q? That's a great question. I would say the absolute biggest nugget to give someone that's brand new just coming in is get around people that you want to copy. Right. Get around people that have done it, that are successful, that you can learn from. You know, The faster you can learn it, the faster you get ahead. If you try to do every single thing on your own without no help, 
It's going to take you a lot longer to get there. <laughs> I'm not telling you that that's the wrong way to do it, but it's a slower way to do it. Sure. Um, I learned everything kind of on my own because I didn't really have a mentor or anything. And it took me a lot longer to get to the point that I wanted to be at. And it wasn't really until I started networking with more and more people and really picking people's brains that it started getting me leaps and bounds ahead. Yeah. Um, so if you can find someone that is successful, that's doing you know six, seven figures a year, you know, wholesaling or flipping houses or, or owning rentals or whatever area of real estate you want to be in, whatever you can, whoever you can get around that's doing what you want to do successfully, try to get in their good graces and learn from them. Because that's where you're going to get the, the most information and get there a lot, lot faster. Besides that, the second thing I would do is market yourself very, very well. <laughs> you know, just get yourself branded well. Make sure you're standing in front of people. Make sure people notice you. Um, you know, you may have to fluff a little bit when you're, when you're first starting out. If you're, not, if you're not really doing, you know, a deal a month or two deals a month, three deals a month, you might have to fake it a little bit. And, and I'm not telling you be fake. But you may have to let off of a slight persona that you're doing a little bit better than you are to get to the point that you want to be. And um, sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit of fluff to be able to make you look noticeable so people actually start taking you serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there you go, guys. Um, The wisdom of Justin Ship with Chaotic Realty. Where, Where can everybody find you? I'm social on social handles and website so and all that stuff. I'm on Instagram at uh, Instagram.com slash chaotic realty, Facebook.com slash chaotic realty. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, but to be honest, I suck at LinkedIn, so I'm never on there, but it's also chaotic realty. There you go. There you go. And is that your website, chaotic uh, realty? Yep. Website's name is chaoticrealty.com. Yep. Um, and you can email me at Justin at chaoticrealty.com as well. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Justin, my friend. Thank you for coming all the way down to Carrollton, Georgia, 20 minutes up the road from you, maybe 30. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Rise Above the Ashes, the podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at riseabovetheashes.com.